You're listening to the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. We sit down with some of the most highly regarded experts in the field of rehab, from physical therapists, athletic trainers, and much more. We dive into what makes them tick and hear about the lessons they have learned along their journey. Come listen to what these experts have to say. All right, welcome into the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Chavez. Today, we have a very special guest, one that I'm very looking forward to talking with. She is the first black female AT and PT in the NBA. She works for the Oklahoma City Thunder, Miss Vanessa Brooks. Everyone give a warm welcome to Vanessa. Vanessa, welcome in. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. Really appreciate your time. So Vanessa and I have been emailing back and forth for the past couple of weeks now, and we finally coordinated a date, so I'm very excited. So Vanessa, for the people that don't know who you are, why don't you give us a little bit of background about you, where you're from, maybe what got you into PT in the first place? Okay, good question. Okay, so um, I grew up in South Florida, so I am from Miramar, small town in South Florida. I did most of my um, undergraduate in grad school in Georgia, in the state of Georgia. So I went to the University of Georgia for with athletic training. Um, that's when bachelors of athletic training was allowed. <laughs> I would just, I should say, qualify you as an athletic trainer. Then after that, after working for a little bit, I did some physical therapy. Went to physical therapy school at Emory. Um, and after that, worked for a little bit and then did travel, including travel therapy. Went to Duke's uh, Duke's program for sports physical therapy, so their residency program there. Then I went to Wake Forest for their fellowship. So getting into physical therapy wasn't my number one choice. It was more so um, just my mom having some of the health conditions that she had, um, and then sports, getting involved in sports, getting hurt, going through your whole rehab program, graduating, passing all your tests, and then getting re-injured again and saying, something's not adding up. I need to dig a little bit deeper. So um, my story may be similar to some other people's with, oh, it got hurt. But for me, it was more so how can I impact at all levels, whether I want to do neuro, want to be in acute care, or want to be in sports. So that's how physical therapy kind of, or I drew to physical therapy because it's such a huge array um, of specialties you can get into. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of what got me into being a PT, I knew I wanted to be in healthcare. I generally knew I wanted to just help people. And so I think I can relate to that on a deeper level. Um, so you said that you graduated PT school from Emory. And then after that, you went and did the residency at Duke. What um, drew you to Duke's program and what made you want to do a residency in the first place? So when I did, um, well, while I was in my physical therapy program, I wanted to do sports physical therapy. I was already a head athletic trainer at a high school in, a, in Atlanta, so in Atlanta Public School. Um, and as I was doing diving a little bit deeper into physical therapy, I loved the program that I was at, but I realized it's to be a general physical therapist. If you want to dive a little bit deeper, um, you may need to actually work more into that field or make sure you can get that framework to actually hone in on your skills or develop your skills. So as I was working as a head athletic trainer, I also went to CSM, so I, I advise any PT student, you don't have to be a PT, like graduate uh, or pass your boards as a PT, but go to CSM, 
um, while I was there and networked and, and talked with a lot of people, talked with the president. Um, at that time, it was called the American Academy of Sports Medicine or Sports Physical Therapy. Um, that's how the sports section was called at that time for APTA. Um, as I was talking with him, he was telling me about Duke's program. He was like, you need to do Duke's program. And I was like, huh, I thought about it. But I was like, okay, let me apply. But my roommate was applying at that time. And I was like, let's keep the piece in the apartment. So I waited. Um, I waited for the next application cycle. And I was like, let's go ahead and apply and just see. Like, you just never know. But I was like, I, I really want that framework. I want some mentorship that is actually st- structured um, just to make sure, like, I don't miss anything because you can work, which is great. Those who um, don't do a residency, it's not for everyone and it's not mandatory. But for me, I wanted to get challenge, be challenged. I wanted to learn different perspectives, um, get the didactic background, and then be able to implement my skills on top of the, the newly gained skills with whatever practice I was going to end up in. Okay, so you said it's kind of for certain people, just depending on what their needs may be if they want to you know, get that structured mentorship. Okay. Um, so at what point throughout PT school, did you realize that you wanted to work at like a college or a pro level? Cause you were already at the head athletic trainer at a high school. So what made you want to go to a higher level past like the high school level? So when I went to the university of Georgia, I, at that point I was like, Oh, I'm gonna do physical therapy. Didn't know what exactly it may be acute care, but as I was finishing my freshman year, it was, I had a rotation that um, basically was a, an elective and it was just observing the training room. And I was like, okay, training room. I don't really know what that is. Uh, I didn't have an athletic trainer. So when I was there, uh, the program director reached out, reached out. And that's when I learned more about athletic training. So as I got into athletic training program, I was already working quote unquote at the college level, but as a student. And I was like, this is this is literally what I like. Obviously, it's Division One. It's a lot of resources, a lot of research, which I love. Um, so getting involved in concussion and um, MS um, rehab, like all that stuff was very interesting to me. And I knew I wanted to end up back in the collegiate setting or even a little bit higher, depending on what was available to me. Um, so when I went to physical therapy school in Emory, um, it, it was an Atlanta public school that kept reaching out like, hey, you should work for us. And I was like, man, I don't know. Like, I'd rather, like, see if Emory needs any help. So I volunteered a couple times, and I was like, but I think I do want to work at a high school just to see, just to get some experience while I'm in PT school. Um, so while I was there, I learned a lot, but knew it would be temporary. Um, and I was hoping to learn a lot more because you can learn at any levels. And to hopefully be my goal is to to work at a higher level institution. Right. So – now you've gone through residency, you went through a fellowship. Um, what was it a specific fellowship? Like I know there's some upper extremity fellowships or some, I know there's a new recent um, Paralympics fellowship that just came out uh, or para-athlete um, fellowship that just came out. Which type of fellowship did you do? I did a sports physical therapy fellowship. So I know that sounds like, sounds for some people redundant, but I think it depends on your residency program. So some residency programs, um, you work with nearby high schools and you work in a sports medicine clinic. So that was my setup at Duke. So I had a great, um, I had a, I would say a great team to work on, or I should say mentorship to work in the sports medicine clinic that they had. 
but also I worked at the nearby high schools and I knew I wanted to still work in collegiate sports and I wanted that experience. I wanted more autonomy um, to actually apply the framework that I was building on all the skills, all of the mentorship I was receiving. So that's why I did the sports fellowship because talking with the program director who was a graduate of Duke sports residency and sports physical and their sports fellowship, I knew I could get a lot more autonomy and get involved a little bit more with research and get in the training room and work with um, more of the, the hands-on and with the team a little bit more to kind of tie in some of the athletic training skills I also already had. Okay. All right. That sounds, uh, you know, I've not talked to too many people that have done fellowships. So that's a really interesting um, thing that, you know, mo probably most people don't even know is out there. So now that you finished your fellowship, did you immediately go to working for the Thunder or did you kind of have other stops in between? So I actually did go straight to work with the Thunder. Um, however, it was more so um, the, the time, the team and I were in communication. It wasn't more, it was very informal because I actually thought it was spam, to be honest. So LinkedIn was, um, I've always tried to follow as many people as I could on LinkedIn just to um, gain their, just see what their experience is, whoever personnel wise. And someone reached out to me and it was a message. And from there, I just connected with that person. Didn't know that connection was going to help me get a job in the, in the MBA. So long story short, it was more during my residency, my Duke residency program. I didn't know about the person, didn't know the person existed. And I was always messaging people, Hey, like, what did you do to get to your position or anything like that? And I received a message, um, someone I didn't even contact. And then it was talking about, Hey, what are your goals? And from there, that conversation started into just opening more opportunities, um, that led to my job like right after my fellowship. All right. Well, I guess, I mean, timing is everything. Um, so that's a, that's a pretty cool story that, you know, you thought it was spam mail and it turned into a pretty, you know, a pretty awesome job. So now that you're there, how long have you been with the Thunder now? So it's been two years. So uh, a little over two years, I should say. So I started in June, 2019. So when COVID hit and the NBA went to the bubble, did you actually go to the bubble with the team? I actually did not go to the bubble with the team. There was, um, I would say, a a player that I was working with, um, and that was definitely outside of the bubble. So I was one of some of the staff on other teams that stayed within their market and worked with any players that did not go to the bubble. And so now that you've been there for two years, what's something that you did not expect going into this job that has kind of come up? Anything that's kind of thrown you for a loop that you didn't expect beforehand? I would say when I first got there, so when I when I first um, was accepted into my position, I started off at, actually in the G League, so their minor league team. So when I was working with them and I was the only medical staff there with that team, on top of having um, a strength and conditioning coach, I didn't realize the flexibility and the multiple hats that you put on. You're not on an island, how like you're not on an island at all. But when it comes to those day to day activities, you are the one that's taking. You know, say if someone's not feeling well, taking their temperature. If someone hurt their back, you're trying to figure out what caused it. If someone needs a dentist appointment, you're making that appointment. 
if um, somehow there happens to be a mother that's very um, in, still interested in knowing what their child is doing, you're communicating through that player to make sure everyone's on the same page and you're respecting that player as an adult. Um, so it's almost like the collegiate setting when it came to that G League job. Um, so that's what I do appreciate. I'm so glad I did the G League. Um, so I would say that flexibility and being able to juggle multiple things at once and then communicating with the general manager, communicating with the um, maybe some of the medical staff at the parent, um, like the Thunder, the parent team, um, players you received from them, um, and making sure the communication is pristine, making sure you're doing your job the best you can, not necessarily doing exactly what the other healthcare provider did because you, we all treat differently. But juggling all those things was not what I expected, but I am so glad I did my residency in my fellowship. So it was not as overwhelming as I think it would be, say, if I just worked in the clinic. Um, and having that athletic training background really did help transitioning into this. So it helps then when I went to, um, when I was promoted to the Thunder and then promoted under, under the medical director to be able to um, hone in on my skills a little bit more not having to juggle so much, but able to have that experience and in, in it, that exposure to help my other coworkers. Okay. So you said that you went from G League, um, PTAT, so now you're working with the full team. So kind of talk to, tell me a little bit about how the structure of like the sports med team is there. Like how many other ATs and PTs and sports docs or even strength strength coaches and nutrition nutritionists is on the team? Yeah. So, I mean, it depends obviously on the organization. So when I speak for this organization, I'm not going to like dive too much into details besides we have a, I would say a large staff compared to maybe some teams. So if we have, um, trying to think of the top of my head, mm -hmm. we have maybe other two to three other PT or two other PTs, um, one AT, um, and then one PTATC besides myself. Um, and then if we think about the strength conditioning staff, they there are two of them that are PTs as well. So I think that's been awesome to see. And other organizations um, also having some of, or I should say a similar makeup and talking with other, other um, colleagues that they have people on their strength conditioning staff that are also physical therapists and just some of teams that are physical, have physical therapists, athletic trainers, and then some that are duly credentialed. Um, we don't have like, say one person hired as just their nutritionist, our strength and conditioning, one of our strength conditioning coaches acts as a nutritionist. Um, so it's like a really cool, uh, great setup because everyone has different backgrounds, different schoolings, meaning like where they went to school, different philosophies, but we all come together, um, and able to just keep that player centered, which is like really cool to see in person. Gotcha. So every organization um, has probably like a different setup, like a different amount of PTs and ATs. It's not uniform across the league. That is so true. So some teams may have the traditional um, title of head athletic trainer, assistant athletic trainer. Um, some may have human and player performance or um, director of human and player performance. Some may be called medical director and then under. Um, under that medical director may have someone who deals with reconditioning or deals with strength and conditioning 
uh, or physical therapy and athletic training. So they may use some of those terms. It may be different. It all depends on that role. Um, I should say the the description of the roles, depending on what that organization needs and the philosophies they hold. So some organizations, you know, maybe they use the word reconditioning or they may use, oh, rehab specialist or um, human and player performance. So it's really cool just talking with other colleagues, like how, how they're set up. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, you hear um, when different hires co- go on or they talk about a player rehabbing, it's sometimes it's the athletic trainer saying this player is out for this many months. Other times it's director of player, you know, player personnel. So that's that's kind of what I was curious about. Okay. So now that you've been here for two years, um, obviously it's an awesome job. What are some maybe not so glamorous things that you've you've encountered that you've been here for, now that you've been here for a while? I think I obviously people see us on TV, maybe sitting on the bench, sitting next to the head coach, um, but they're not thinking about the hours that you put in. So, yeah, on on paper, it may say, oh, you're putting 86 hours in or so, but some days you're putting in way more. Some days you may not be putting in 80 hours. Um, and a lot of times there's a lot of travel, which people are like, oh, yeah, travel's fun. I love traveling. Yes. But thinking about the different time zones and sometimes arriving uh, to your hotel three, four in the morning and you still have activities or other things to do the next day or meetings or you need to do treatment um, or it could be a game the next day. And obviously I'm not the one playing, but just thinking about some of those things and that influence of whether travel, ego, travel East Coast, West Coast and how long those flights are, if there's any delays with that. Um, so I would say some of those things that most people may not think of. So it's like you're constantly on the go, like any given week, you're probably not home. I would also say like spending time with family, um, something as simple as that. I do. I'm again, grateful for athletic training. I'm grateful for my sports residency, my sports fellowship, because there are holidays, Thanksgiving or anything like that, that you're not going to be with family. It could be Christmas. You're not with family. It's been two Thanksgivings thus far that I've been with family since starting my career. And I started mm-hmm. undergrad, I would say when I finished undergrad it was 2013. So I haven't had too many holidays with family. Um, so it's some of the things that um, I, I want like students or anyone to keep in mind, anyone who wants to get in the field that's not glamorous. Obviously there's things like carrying luggage and stuff like that. Not saying like you're always going to carry all the medical equipment, but there's something to keep in mind. Like there's not this whole entourage that's like carrying your stuff. Um, so I think, um, I think in the day, like I'm very grateful for the opportunity. I thank God every day, um, for being here, but you're definitely gonna put some work in and it's definitely flexibility is like key. Right. And I kind of, that's why I kind of wanted to ask, cause I figured, you know, you get your couple of minutes of fame while they pan over to you on the bench while you're working with an athlete, but I'm sure there's a lot more hours of work that go into being in that position. And it's not just your five minutes of fame. It's the hundred hour week you're putting in before that. Exactly. All right. So, um, after working with the thunder now, I'm assuming you were probably an avid sports fan before. How has working at the professional level changed your way you view sports? I would say, um, especially in this position, I would say from minor league, meaning the G League till here or into this position here, you see the business side more. 
Um, so yes, you may have that favorite player that you're like, oh my gosh, like mm-hmm. this is awesome. Like, oh, that team is awesome. And then you see how trades happen, trade deadlines. You see the, um, whether it's contracts, you see all those things that happen that take place where one player is on another team and then they happen to be on your team or vice versa. And understanding that these players are people obviously yes they have a contract yes this is their job this is actually their their livelihood but understanding that these players are people which we you know see on the internet oh man they took this big old contract or they were cut from the team or they were in a buyout i would say being in this setting more talking with other colleagues you appreciate your position obviously but you appreciate the work the players put in you appreciate them as a person um because everyone is human so it's like yeah they look cool on social media or on the court it's like oh you're right next to so and so yes that's all cool but they're human too they go through things their family goes through things and i think being in the setting you don't you no longer see it like oh perform perform um or you're getting paid all this money why are you missing all your shots or anything like that you appreciate them as a person you see the work they put in, you see what they go through, what they go through off the court, even if it's personal, and putting that aside to actually do their job. So it's kind of a reminder to myself, like, yeah, anybody's going through anything, but when you get to work, like, put some of your personal stuff aside, do your job, do it well, try to impact that person in a way that will help them, help them do their job better. So that's what I would say for sure. Um, it's it's a constant, um, it's constantly growing because I'm seeing and learning things every single day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's something that's so easy with Twitter and Instagram. You see all, you see a person dunking and then it's like, all right, well that person, that's all they do. But you forget that they have a family and they have, you know, they have, you know, birthday parties and like deaths in the family. And it's so easy to forget that they're just a normal human being. They just happen to be very large and super athletic. So so kind of speaking to that athleticism, um, how do exactly. you challenge someone? Yeah. So how do you challenge someone that is at the highest level um, during their rehab? They're trying to get return to sport from a surgery or from an injury. How do you make sure that they're ready to get back to the highest level? Is there any like specific exercises that you do or where, you, where do you draw your inspiration from for that? Yeah. So I would say it's all a team approach. So I think that's what I appreciate more being here. You have a sports scientist, you have another physical therapist or athletic trainer colleague who you can refer to. You may have a medical director. You have the coaches, obviously, um, that you work with and you have the strength conditioning coaches. So that team then in itself, um, obviously there's other people like the strength coach that deals with nutrition as well. Having everyone on the same page, evaluating where is the player, what was their their load previously, what was their chronic load before they were hurt, looking then at okay, what what is the the physiological changes that have happened, or whether it's a surgery, whether it's a soft tissue injury, a bone injury, what is the healing process in that? What are we doing on a nutrition standpoint, whether it's supplementation, also diet, um, what are we doing to kind of help the healing process, not hinder it? Not saying we can speed up the healing process, but we can make all of the factors that help in their favor. Then we're talking about, okay, talking to the strength conditioning staff along with the sports scientists and myself, what are we doing on a conditioning standpoint? We don't want, 
we want the person to heal well, but we don't want to have them so deconditioned that, you know, they're huffing and puffing when they're walking, you know, walking down to their locker room or anything like that. <laughs> what are some of the things? Can we use underwater treadmill? Could we use the Alter G? Um, can we use the bike? Um, at their, are they at a point where we could go on the treadmill, we could use the elliptical um, or use the turf outside? What are some of the things that we can use? Then create that load, knowing what that load, how much of that load, what kind of intensity for that load. And then can we, st in early on, can we integrate basketball things? So basketball things, meaning can we have them at least do some dribbling drills? Are they stationary? Can they be moving? Can they do some passing? Can they do passing as they're step, taking a step forward back? Could they go across their body passing? Could they start getting into a jog? Getting those things started and then figuring out on obviously from a physical therapy movement standpoint, do they have, whether it's an ankle, do they have the weight bearing dorsiflexion? How's their first rate? How are, how is their foot integrating with the ground? Are they, you know, supinating a lot? Meaning are they on the outside part of their foot? Are they able to push off really well? Where are they pushing off? Do they feel their body sinking with the rest of their body being in sync to know, can they create that movement or does it get lost in their, in their trunk? Does it get lost in their core, their pelvic floor? So all those things, it's obviously hard to pinpoint specific exercises. Obviously depends on the player, their mindset, what can they handle? Cause it's all different levels with that, their injury, what part of the healing they are in. Um, and it continues to adapt and also to just making sure everyone is on the same page or have open ears to the other staff members. Cause you may miss something that you're like, yeah, I'm doing this, this, and this. And it's like, did you check their upper extremity? Why am I checking their upper extremity? They use their upper extremity when they're playing. What, how is that, you know, how is that integrating with the rest of their, <laughs> you know, their core pelvic floor and, you know, foot, you know, just all throughout the entire body. Can they actually do this simple um, position can they do a movement that is a little bit more advanced to that to then get them into more complex um, movements to make sure we're not missing anything or we're just putting a band-aid on the situation so those are very long answer but it's it's obviously it's very integrative it's constantly changing um, it's very adaptive right no and I I appreciate the really long answer because you know, I'm a new, I'm a new grad. So I'm always looking for different clinicians and how they approach rehab. So that was a super, that was, I don't think I could have asked for a better answer, honestly. So, all right. I got two more questions, then we'll get you Appreciate out of here. Appreciate it. It's a really great question. <laughs> yeah. So I got two more questions. Oh, then for we'll sure. Get you out no of worries. Here. Um, so I kind of wanted to ask you, what is a day-to-day -day life? Let's say it's game day at home. Kind of walk me through what you do from the time you get up to kind of the time the game ends. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because each day it's obviously, which you specified very well, game day, because practice <laughs> day is different, travel day is different. So game day home, um, it depends. If I get up early and it's like, yeah, let's get some cardio in, let's get a quick workout in. You can do that at work or you could do that in your house. But if not, you're like, you'll try it again another day. So you're heading to work. You're obviously planning out um, who you may see in the morning. So it may be, you know, you're just touching base with players um, just to make sure they feel um, pretty well with their body. Or if there's an injury, 
then you're doing your rehab. So if you can do your rehab then in the morning, great. If not, you could do it later on at the arena. So for us, we may not do shoot around in the morning. We may do it in the afternoon. It could be a walkthrough type of setup. So with that type of setup, we, um, you know, we'll maybe spend two, three hours doing some treatment, whoever, um, whoever you set up with, or could be walk-ins. Um, and as you're doing that, you may have a couple meetings here and there with the other staff that you have to do. I may be doing billing. So I do medical billing as well. So I may be doing some of that stuff in my office, catching up on other things. And then there may be a two hour break, maybe, maybe a two hour break to get your life together, whatever you need to do, iron your clothes for game day. <laughs> And you're heading to the arena. You head to the arena. At this point, it might be three and a half to, you know, say three and a half, four hours before game time. You're there. You're just making sure everything in the training room at the arena is nice and set up because you've probably done that before. But you just want to make sure, especially during the season, a lot of things you just want to make sure are set up pretty well. So if a player needs to come by even before their walkthrough, you can do whether it's taping their thumb even if I'm doing rehab and do some VFR just to kind of help prime the system before they do their walkthrough or during their film session, set them up. I can do some of those things um, before they get into their uh, their film session and then their walkthrough. So film and walkthrough, that's usually my time to say, man, maybe I can, you know, organize myself together, get some documentation done, could be doing workers comp claims, interacting with the other coworkers around that time or maybe a little bit later are team physician, so our, our team physician, a general medicine, and then also our orthopedic surgeon will be heading in. I may be um, giving them an update, briefing them on whatever happened that day, or if any of the players need clearance, or you just touch base with the new players, priming them, giving them that background information. So maybe it would be right before the game or during halftime. So at this point now, players are on a nice schedule that flows from, usually it flows like after their walkthrough, they do treatment on the table. They may do hot or cold tub, depending on what their routine is. So they'll do treatment with me um, or they're another medical staff member. And then they go right into the weight room, do some activation. Some may do like a light lift or whatever, just to help them get them really ready and like really dialed in. And after that, they go on the court, they warm up on the court, um, doing some of their drills. That's when people see the camera on them and they're doing things on the court. That's they're They're on the court. At that time, they head back in, and it's like a cycle. We just have players doing doing that type of rotation, and you're just working with the players, making sure taping up ankles if they want it taped at that time, taping up thumbs, you know, kinesio tape, anything the player likes or that you've used and done that help that player be on their A game. Um, and once that gets set up, everyone comes back. They have their team meeting, which will include film. We have um, – at that time, I may get like a quick lift in myself, when I say quick, maybe like 10 minutes, it all depends on like what uh, the, the time looking like. Um, or I'm, you know, communicating with the rad tech or the radiology technici- technicians that's there just to say hi and all that good stuff. Maybe go to the chefs. So we also have chefs that may just get like a quick snack, may do some more documentation or may get dressed at that time. It all depends. So as soon as they're done with their film session, you're taping up ankles again, you're getting ready. They head out as a group. Um, everyone knows like at that point, everyone, all the players are heading out as like one team and you're getting just last minute stuff done, whether that's getting dressed or a player that needs something. I'm setting up my bench. I have my athletic training kit, my binders that have concussion forms in there. Hopefully I'm already communicated with the away team with 
to make sure they need any last minute like help or any supplies. And then it's game day, um, you know, national anthem ready to go. All right. Well, I mean, I think I don't know if you can get any, you know, better in-depth look behind the scenes kind of that was awesome well um i got one more question and um it kind of has to do with what i mentioned earlier when i introduced you um you are the first black female ptat in the nba um what does that mean to you because that's a that's a huge deal that's not you're not only the first female but you're the first black female ptat in the nba i mean it speaks a lot, but I can't say I got here by myself. Like I first and foremost, I thank God um, because there are obviously nights where it's like you don't want to study or you don't want to, you know, man, I'm getting tired of school. Or you hear your own family's like, man, you keep going to school. Like, like, you know, or you, you know, you're working in this position. Do you know if that's going <laughs> to, where are you going to, where are you going to end up working? Like, what are you going to do? You know? Or you get into certain programs and it's like, you want to work in the NBA or the NFL? Like, you sure that's not a lofty goal? Um, I've heard that so many times. Um, And obviously, very reputable people, um, high-ranking individuals, sports medicine staff. So I have high respect for them. So yes, some self-doubt crept in or, you know, was uh, creeping in. And I thank God for my husband, very supportive. Um, He was... Like basically, when I say like biggest cheerleader, like biggest fan, he is helps me stay focused as well, you know, and help just guide me whenever I feel like, man, I feel like giving up. Like it's been really helpful having him, having his support. And I think because of that is to show other people and communicate with others to let them know, like, if you want to be, you know, that great gymnast or if you want to be that physical therapist that you know, works with players in the off season. If you want to be that great artist, like do it. There's going to be people that say, mm, yeah, you sure about that one? Yeah. it ha- And it has to scare you. you have to, you're going to have some doubt, but please <laughs> keep doing, you know, what you love to do and you have to be willing to put in that work. So it's not like something, oh, I just did school and I got here or I was on LinkedIn and that's how I got here. It's a, it was a lot of work. So I'm not saying like I didn't work a lot of hours, whether it was like you know, working as a athletic trainer, still doing school at, at Emory Physical Therapy. It was putting in work that when people wanted to go out of town and everyone's, you're all your friends going on trips and vacation, you're, you know, putting in work or you're volunteering, knowing that you're not going to get paid for some of, you know, these these gigs that you're doing that you just want to provide service as a, you know, emergency responder, X, Y, and Z. So I would just encourage people like keep grinding, keep doing what you what you need to do and pray first keep god first and he'll open the door exactly where you need to be at the right timing all right well i was going to ask you if you had any advice for you know people who want to be where you are but i think that sums it up pretty well i'm ready to run through a wall you got me you got me inspired and hyped and ready to go um so we'll get you out of here on this note, but Vanessa, is there anywhere or anything that you want to plug? I saw that you recently had a YouTube channel. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Oh yeah, I literally just started it. Um, I've had requests over, I think at this point, probably over five years about like, you should make a YouTube channel. At the end of the day, I just want to see if I can help way more people than I can on social media or just talking to people or um, talking with students. So 
if I can just talk about my journey, talk about like the daily activities that I do, obviously without making too many details of actual players, no details of my actual day-to-day job besides like to help people get to their goals. Um, That's basically me starting that YouTube channel at uh, Dr. Vanessa Brooks, just kept it nice and simple. Um, Just starting that channel and putting out some information just to help some people. Um, And that's basically like my goal, like have fun with it and just help as many students as I can. All right. And I will make sure that I link your YouTube channel down in the description and wherever this podcast is posted because I watched I watched the uh, first couple of videos and it was awesome. So I'm looking forward awesome. to seeing more of what you have. Awesome. I appreciate it. Hopefully you don't look too hard at the editing skills or getting there. <laughs> we all start somewhere. We all start somewhere. All right. Well, this has been an awesome oh, talk. Yeah. Um, Vanessa, thank you for your time. Um, and thank you for listening to the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. Awesome. Thank you for having me, Chase. Thank you for listening to the most recent episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. I hope you enjoyed our guest, Vanessa Brooks, the PTATC from the Oklahoma City Thunder. Vanessa gave us an awesome inside look into what her day-to-day life is working in the NBA, as well as an awesome insight into her journey and what got her to the position she is in today. If you'd like to follow Vanessa on Instagram, YouTube, or Twitter, I will have all her social media links down below. Now, if you learned anything new, enjoyed our guest, or want to hear more episodes from other sports rehab experts, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Every like and subscribe means more than you know. 